Welcome to Global Perspectives, the International Insolvency Institute's podcast. Welcome back to the International Insolvency Institute's Global Perspectives podcast. My name is Adam Crane, and I am chair of the IIIS NextGen program and co-chair of the IIIS Regional Committee for the United States, Canada, and the Caribbean. On today's episode, we are joined by Miguel Martinez-Cortez, who is a partner at Carles Cuesta in Spain, and by Dr. Shuai Guo, Assistant Professor at the China University of Political Science and Law in Beijing. They will be discussing the impact of the housing crisis in Spain and in the People's Republic of China. I will now turn it over to Dr. Eugenio Vicari, who is a senior lecturer with the Royal Holloway University of London, who will give a brief introduction and moderate this panel. Welcome back to another Global Perspectives podcast organized by the IIII NextGen program. Today, we will take a look at a topic that has hit the news in several countries around the world, the housing prices. This is certainly a global phenomenon, which has been exacerbated by several factors, such as increases in commodity prices, inflations, and rises in interest rates. However, the causes of this crisis can differ greatly between countries. For instance, this podcast will discuss the situation of two countries that are grappling with the housing crisis, Spain and the People's Republic of China. However, the causes of these crises are different as well as their short-term impact on local residents and entrepreneurs and their potential long-term impact on the global economy. I'm very grateful to be here today. We meet with Miguel Angel Martinez-Cortez and Dr. Shuai Guo. Miguel is partners Carles Cuestas. Miguel is partner at Carles Cuesta, a top-ranking insolvency law firm based in Madrid, and he's the director of the real estate department. Shuai is, a, is an assistant professor at China University of Political Science and Law in Beijing. Thanks for being here with me today. Thank you. I mentioned in my brief introduction that the causes of the housing crisis in your countries are quite different. Let's start from here. Can you briefly tell our audience what the situation in your countries is and how we got there? Well, uh, first of all, Eugenio, uh, let me thank the International Insolvency Institute and yourself for the invitation. It's an honor to be here with you today. In Spain, we currently have a strong tension in the real estate market, both in the property and rental markets that is generating difficulties in the development and construction sectors due, among others, to the lack of land to develop and organize and making it more difficult for citizens to access housing. According to the statistics from the General Council of Notaries, whose data is a very reliable source, in the first half of this year, 2023, home sales and purchases have fallen by 13% on average and the granting of mortgages by almost 25% compared to the previous year. Prices, however, have not fallen, but have stagnated. This gives us an idea that the market considers that we are not facing a bubble, 
but a circumstantial anomaly that could be adjusted over time. This slowdown or slight fall has been offset by the increase in purchases by foreign nationals, which has doubled compared to the second half of 2022 to represent a total of 22% of the total purchases. This has also been taken into account by the Spanish government, resulting in the recent approval of new foreign investment regulations, which we will mention further on. Now, let me give you a Spanish macroeconomic insight. Although rates have been rising sharply for the last two years, household indebtedness has fallen by nearly a 30%. What are the reasons for this? Mainly two. Mortgage debt is also falling in the face of these rate hikes due to the increase in repayments, which are at their highest since the year 2009. And on the other hand, what may be the beginning of a paradigm shift? According to Eurostat, the European Statistical Office, between 2010 and 2020, the percentage of the Spanish population living on rented accommodation has increased one-fourth, up to a 25%. Spain has traditionally been a country of homeowners, but and it's and, and it still is but a little less so. There's a trend towards convergence with the EU average of around 30%, with countries such as Germany and Austria far exceeding 40% rental rates. This increasing difficulty to access, to access ownership, this increasing difficulty to access ownership has been passed on directly and alarmingly to rental price, price rises to rental price rises, which the government has tried to control in recent years, with limited effect, I must say, as we will see later. So said slowdown in the sector's activity has had various, various causes. Going back to the first, uh, the bursting of the first real estate bubble and the consequent crisis of 2008, which had a different nature to the current one and led to an sorry, of a completely different nature to the current one. That crisis affected the Spanish economic landscape for more than 10 years and led to the collapse of the country's largest developers. This is one of today's features, not so big players in town. Other factors known to all have been the post-COVID raw material shortages due to the closures temporary at best of certain factories directly affecting the construction sector the war in Ukraine, which has had a decisive effect in the rise of energy and construction costs in general, the inflation hike, consequent rise in interest rates, and subsequent restriction in access to financing, and finally, the current political uncertainty in Spain. The result of this cocktail is high, a highly stressed market in which the former factors need to be corrected. Thanks, Miguel. Shuai, uh, what's the situation in China? Thank you very much, Eugenio. Also, like Miguel, it's my great pleasure. I think I could say be back to the Global Perspective podcast. And I also got very honored to be invited uh, to discuss the current housing crisis in China. 
Uh, first of all, I must confess that I'm not an economist and I can only tell from my own observations from a general point of view. For decades, I think China's economy was dependent on a booming real estate sector fueled by population growth. On the demand side, China has underground rapid organization over the uh, last few decades with millions moving from rural areas to cities. This migration has led to a significant demand for urban housing. Also, many Chinese citizens view real estate as primary form of investment. It stems from both cultural views and property ownership because families want their own houses, also a lack of diverse investment options. Seldom Chinese actually invest in capital markets or bond markets, etc. On the supply side, I think also the local governments depended heavily on revenue from land sales. I must emphasize here that most of the land in China are state-owned, so the real estate developers need to purchase the usage rights of land from the local governments. That is how the governments raise their funds and also government money is mainly coming from. Therefore, the housing market created jobs and serve as a place to store wealth for China's growing middle class, also for the government as well which accounted for around a quarter of the economy. So in the past years, we witnessed a high or increasing uh, prices of the real estate uh, sector. However, in recent years, the Chinese housing market is encountering more and more problems. First of all, because the rising uh, prices, uh, it discourages young people from purchasing their first houses. Also to contain this kind of rising prices, the government poses restrictions of buying second houses for those who can afford a second or more houses, they cannot buy uh, more. Third, maybe and a direct factor is the COVID. As, uh, I think people know we were under a long time lockdown due to COVID. I think the Chinese consumers in the COVID uh, lost confidence in the Chinese economy. But even after COVID have been opened up, up this year, I think the confidence is not back yet. Uh, so that explains why people are hesitant still to purchase new homes. That could be the result of uh, current housing uh, crisis. I give the floor back to Junior. Thanks, Wai. So I also mentioned in my introduction that uh, uh, the housing crisis has hit the news. And this is due to some recent high-profile cases of real estate developers that went into bankruptcy or in distress. My understanding is that China is currently in the midst of uh, dealing with some larger cases such as Evergrande and Country Gardens. However, Spain dealt with their big cases of, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing them, Martinsa Fadesa, Real Urbis, and Nozar in recent years. Shui, can you give us an overview of what the situation is in China? And later on, Miguel, could you tell our audience how you dealt with your real estate cases and whether there are lessons that can be learned? Thank you very much, Eugenio. You are absolutely right. Uh, to be honest, I think the situation now is not good. The consumers are quite worried about the situation and holding back on the plans of purchasing new homes, as I just said. Also, it impacts a lot of other workers in related industries, uh, building, design, and got laid off or could not find new jobs. Also, this kind of impacts other financial services, investments, and related, including uh, legal service industry. And 
you're absolutely right. I'm mentioning the very interesting cases at Evergrande and Country Gardens. Uh, that definitely raised a lot of attention, both domestically and internationally. However, I need to clarify that there are no, at least from my knowledge, no insolvency proceedings against these companies at the moment in China, even though Evergrande uh, filed Chapter 15 to the U.S. Bankers Court, Southern District, New York, on 17 August 2023, that was just a few weeks ago. It is interesting to note that immediately the Chinese media coverage stated that Evergrande is insolvent, but to respond to that, Evergrande published notice that it only sold insolvency protection, but was solvent. So by this story, it could be reflected that Chinese normal people would not understand the nature of insolvency or not as the Western way of doing that. They would perceive that insolvency means that the, the, the company cannot obey their money back, they cannot deliver their houses in a particular case, and they are worried about those kind of situations. So that's like why the consumer is holding back. But it's also from a legal standpoint, it's intriguing to observe that there are limited Chinese domestically represented two points. Uh, first of all, the initiation of this major company's bankruptcy needs a collaborative effort involving various stakeholders, I must say, the Chinese government, both central and local governments play an important role in this field, and they dance with financial creditors, home buyers, and even potential third-party purchasers interested in crying the sovereign debtor to reach negotiation uh, agreement, how the debts and uh, the future houses in go to handle. On the other side, uh, cross-border uh, insolvency also plays a role, even with the new cooperation arrangement uh, between the Chinese mainland and Hong Kong. We had one of the podcasts, uh, previous podcasts on that. Uh, I think in general, it's still very difficult to seek recognition in China. So the foreign proceedings would have a limited impact on Chinese domestic markets. So that's why Evergrande could, could notice and ease uh, the worries of consumers. I think that's a very interesting conversation from the insolvable. Uh, point. Thanks, Ryan. Miguel? Uh, thank you, Eugenio. Uh, regarding, regarding Spain's case, as we mentioned before, the consequences of the 2008 crisis are still being felt today. Some of the effects have been positive, such as a further rationalization of the construction sector, but there have been others. Most of the former Spanish real estate development giants just didn't make it. Martin Safadesa and Regia Lourdes, as you mentioned, both of them liquidated, are the best examples. And I'm going to uh, explain uh, are, the best, are the best examples, which I'm going to explain briefly. Royal Urbis filed for insolvency proceedings with liabilities of up to 4,500 million euros and being the main debtor of the, Spanish, of the Spanish Treasury. The company filed for voluntary insolvency proceedings in 2013 and opened the liquidation phase of the company at the end of 2017. Martin Safadesa's case is quite more interesting. According to the Spanish law applicable at the time, they achieved to reach an agreement with their creditors, but had afterwards difficulties to comply with it. So given the size of the company, the Spanish government passed a new decree in September 2014, 
understand that it was designed ad hoc for, for this case, which temporarily allowed a renegotiation, what we call a reconvenio, with more demanding majorities. Even so, the company did not uh, achieve a second agreement with their creditors in application of this reconvenio and ended up being liquidated in 2015. Bearing in mind the forum in which uh, we find ourselves and our host, the International Insolvency Institute, I'd like to add that with COVID, this figure of the reconvenio was recovered and after the transposition of the EUU directive, it has been maintained in the new Insolvency Act amended in 2022, giving it a permanent nature. This makes sense because it leaves in the hands of the creditors the possibility of approving a new agreement that allows them to collect at least something, which, even if it's little, would be better than nothing. As an, a little anecdote, uh, here in Carles Cuesta, we did have a similar case in which were, we were indeed able to take advantage of this transitional regime for one of our clients. As for the current situation in, uh, of Spain's real estate developers, for the first time in the last five years, the four largest developers slowed their growth in delivery volume, which has stagnated since 2021. But it's precisely one uh, of the issues that we pointed uh, at the beginning of this conversation, the shortage of land qualified for construction that could save the sector, unlike 20, 2008, unlike 2008 unlike 2008, because there is no overproduction and the companies are not in debt. To this effect, I must state that in Spain, the large housing developers have debt under control, which is around 15% uh, of its net asset value, a solvent percentage, and the biggest ones still have open access to financing. The trend, therefore, according to the the trend, therefore, according to the latest published news, is companies with smaller balance sheets, but more business margin and returns in order to be more attractive to the capital markets. This is something which uh, I, will comment, I will also comment further on. Thank you. Thanks, uh, thanks Miguel. Uh, now that we have a fuller picture of the housing crisis situation in China and Spain, let's speak about what your governments are doing to deal with these matters. My understanding is that most of your government's actions focus on non-insolvency provisions. Am I correct? Miguel, do you want to start? Yes, uh, indeed, Eugenio. Uh, here in Spain, government measures have focused on controlling inflation, and how it may have impacted the market. It's true that some years ago, uh, some measures were already adopted to try to distribute the payment of certain taxes related to real estate transactions in order to lighten the tax burden on individuals. In, for example, in the case of mortgages, um, it was the banks that were made to assume some of these uh, taxes. But at the end, we can say that they have not been very effective for these this amounts or these taxes have ended up being passed on to the purchasers through other channels. The government has also, as I said, taken measures to prevent inflation, 
and specifically uh, related to the real estate market, in, in this case to the rental markets, to stop the continued increase in rents, which have been giving, uh, given in the last years. Uh, to this effect, uh, the, the, they stated a limitation to these rises uh, stated in, the, in a 2% uh, for the former years. But uh, these conditions have not also haven't also got uh, very, been very effective, for they are applicable only to the ongoing contracts and not to new contracts. Uh, on the third instance, last May, a new housing act was passed, which is already applicable. It reduces the number of properties to be owned. Sorry, some of the measures are that it reduces the number of properties to be owned in order to be considered a grant owner and then limits the contractual liberty imposing certain limitative conditions. This discourages investment in the real estate sector and has therefore been strongly criticized by different players. Among them, for example, the greatest real estate developer in Spain uh, of the IBEX 35, the Spanish stock index, uh, who has criticized the uh, insecurity that this gives to investors. We also miss further efforts to allow access to new floor development, as well as new public initiatives for new social housing. But the lack of development by public authorities shows that it's the private sector where the solution must come from and not from interventionism. Not from intervention, sorry not from interventionism. Thanks, Miguel. Fine. Yes, uh, thanks for your question, Antonio. I think the Chinese government by authorities and taken on combination of different matters uh, to boost the economy as a general, uh, finding new investment opportunities, also for the real estate industry in particular, lowering the interest rate and lifting the restrictions of purchasing homes. So very interesting that just before uh, uh, our recording last week, uh, China's housing and financial authorities jointly published an announcement uh, that in August 2023 to allow local governments the discretion to widen the definition of first-time home buyers to include those with mortgage records that no local home ownership may support housing demand. The move could allow more buyers to qualify for lower minimum down payment and mortgage rates. 16 cities, mostly in the higher tiers, are still categorizing people with a mortgage history as a second-time buyer, even if the homes have been sold and mortgage paid off. The incremental down payment requirement is the highest in China's four tier one cities where buyers of another home need to pay a 70 to 80 down payment versus 30 to 35 for the first time buyers. Relaxation of mortgage curves may release high tier cities and up demand, most of which will stem from two groups of buyers, upgraders who have sold their existing homes and whose uh, only bought a non-lock home via mortgage, as both will qualify for the minimum down payment as first-time buyers. Back to your question, I must say that China um, is not, not dealing with non-insolvent provisions. We are just not dealing with insolvent matters 
in the tradition we are. As I mentioned earlier, the Chinese way of dealing with such crises, such as this kind of uh, reality development, is a lot of government involvement. I learned that uh, quite a lot of proceedings are now taking place, including extension of the debt, selling of furnished houses to other developers, uh, mostly state-owned, some of them, and dealing with uh, other financial creditors. So it seems to me uh, very likely that these are reorganization matters, uh, but not on judicial regard, but with the leadership of the government authorities. Thank you very much. Thanks, Shui. Um, my final question for today is, besides thanking you for uh, the comprehensive analysis of this complex issue so far, so far is uh, to just try to investigate what uh, uh, could happen next. I know that you don't have a crystal ball, so I won't ask you whether this crisis will be overcome in the next few years. What I'd like to know is uh, whether you think that your governments are adopting the right measures to address the current crisis, or if there are areas that they are overlooking. Um, Shwai, do you want to go first this time? All right, thank you very much. Uh, I personally believe that Chinese government is actually dealing the crisis uh, in a good way by regulating the market, by uh, uh, imposing more additional measures. However, the overall economy structure is too heavily dependent on the real estate sector, which is about uh, 25%, and that is why China is now investing a lot in other fields, especially uh, promotes investment in technology. But personally, I believe that this is also result is very minimum, and additional research is definitely needed from an economic point of view. But from an insolvency lawyer's perspective, I think more education and a legal form is needed to ease the impact of failures of these big companies. A more standard procedure is needed. We designed actually our insolvency law uh, by learning from many Western countries, the United States, for instance. Uh, however, law in written is quite different from the law in action, especially if people have negative views or stigma against insolvent debtors. I think that's why the insolvency law could place an important part in its education and common citizens about legitimate and due process procedure for uh, failing businesses. Also, it may raise the awareness that insolvency law can protect people. As I just mentioned earlier, everyone said it files bankruptcy protection, but it's not insolvency. So that could ease the fear among consumers. And I think a lot of under process may happen without a legitimate review, for instance, or learn that some home buyers cannot get high quality policies as they were promised when they made a payment, even if those companies were handed over or acquired by another company. So I think uh, let's put this kind of framework on the judicial review and we could have a better insolvency protection for those real estate developers. Thanks. Thanks, Fai. Miguel. Going back to our initial data, with housing sales and mortgages slowing by 13 and 25% respectively, it's clear that the sector's activity has slowed down due to the costs mentioned before. And the prices are stagnating. So this will cause the market to adjust. Whereas the, if the government measures are going to be effective, uh, as I mentioned before, there have been a lot of critics coming from different players, uh, which I think should be listened to and should be taken uh, into account by the government. 
And I think there's also a, a, a very easy solution to give more uh, security to those investors, which would come from a political agreement uh, by the two greatest parties here in Spain, that which have obtained more than the more than a 60% of the votes in the last elections to end with this political uncertainty also mentioned before and which lead and to encourage the investors to continue uh, in the real estate market. Thank you very much. Thank you, Miguel. Thanks, Rai. Uh, this uh, has been uh, a really excellent conversation. It was great having uh, uh, you, both of you, here today. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome, Eugenia. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Global Perspectives. This podcast has been brought to you by the International Insolvency Institute. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. 